Let's pray together. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day, your word read, your word proclaimed, that we might receive it with joy, that it might fall on us afresh and transform our lives. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Um, This morning's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Listen for God's word. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, go and search carefully for the child when you've found him. Report to me so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went and, and look. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened the treasure chest and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. When the Magi had departed, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night took the child and his mother to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I have called my son out of Egypt. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, they're the three dudes in the velvety robes and the fake beards in the live nativity scene every year. They're the figures in your grandma's manger scene, dressed fancy, carrying boxes, and perhaps one of them's even riding a camel. They're the ones who traverse so far following yonder star in the carol. Magi, wise men, kings... The story of the Magi is one that has captivated our collective imagination throughout the centuries, so much so that it's had a tendency to kind of merge with legend. The Magi have become three kings whose names are Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar, one from Persia and one from India and one from Arabia. Actually, there's an old preacher's joke that there were, uh, there were really four wise men. Uh, we know about the three because one bought gold, and one brought frankincense, and one brought myrrh, but the fourth one isn't mentioned in scripture because his gift was fruitcake. (laughs) Apologies to those of you who like fruitcake, but whether we call them magi or kings or wise men, the truth is that these, these characters were truth seekers, truth seekers from a place far, far away from Israel. They were deep Thinkers driven by curiosity and wonder. 
seeking wisdom and seeking the divine, they remind us at the start of a brand new year that we are called to be lifelong seekers ourselves, seeking the inexhaustible nature and mystery of God. And it all started with the, the curiosity and intentionality of mysterious magi. That's really what seeking is, after all, isn't it? Curiosity plus intent. Curiosity plus intent. Wondering while wandering closer to the divine. Uh, they were used to gazing at the stars and at constellations in the night sky. At that time, heaven and earth's uh, events were, were thought to be cosmically linked. So that a celestial event was tethered to something big that happened on earth and vice versa. So at some point, they, uh, they notice something different in the sky. They observe an interesting astronomical phenomenon, a star like they've never seen before. So with one curious eye uh, toward the sky, they must have had also another curious eye toward the ancient texts of various religions besides their own. They must have been somewhat familiar with Jewish scriptures. The Old Testament is full of prophecies promising a king to rule over Israel like David once did, to establish justice, to rule with mercy. It's also full of promises of a Messiah to deliver Israel from all oppressors. They observe a star and then they discern that it's pointing them to the divine. That's holy curiosity. It would have been amazing to be a fly on the wall, a fly on the wall uh, to, to hear the questions that these men asked, their minds whirling with possibilities, not necessarily certainties. What does this mean? Why, why this star? Why, why now? And instead of ignoring it, instead of, of simply sitting back and observing it from afar, they decide to make the long and hard journey across lands, crossing geographical boundaries to see what they discover. That's intentionality. There's earnest intention in the way that Magi traveled to find Jesus at no doubt with great cost of time and expense. If it is indeed a special king that has been born, then they, they're willing to take the long journey to find out more. So their first response to what God was revealing even if it was through a cosmic phenomenon or maybe even questionable astrology, was to seek in order to see what they might find. The Magi thought that this royal birth was something worth pursuing. Their journey into the heart of Jewish tradition and Jewish lands shows how earnestly they seek in response to what they saw as a sign from the heavens. And when they arrive in Jerusalem, they ask, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen a star in the east and we've come to honor him. And while Jerusalem is disturbed and Herod is quite frankly terrified, Herod is driven to a place of terror. The Magi are driven to worship. They're driven to worship. Matthew tells us that when they see the star over the place where the child was, they were filled with joy. It's the thrill of seeking, leading to finding, and finding, leading to worship. St. Augustine, one of the greatest Christian thinkers ever, offered this prayer once. 
Those who seek the Lord shall praise Him. For those who seek Him shall find Him, and those who find Him shall praise Him. Those who seek the Lord shall praise Him. That's exactly what the curiosity and intention-filled seeking of the Magi led them to do. For when they entered the house where He was, they fell to their knees and they honored, they worshipped the Savior whose birth was truly good news for all people, even Gentiles like them. They offered gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Their seeking leads them to find and worship Jesus, a king, a savior of another country, another culture, another tradition, another religion. Their seeking also leads them away from Herod's intentions to do harm. They're curious with a dream that they had, warning them about Herod, and so they go home by another route. Holy curiosity plus earnest intention. That's the posture of seeking. And so I wonder this morning, are we still seeking? Do we persistently seek after God? Do we have a holy curiosity, an earnest intention to plunge ever deeper into the wonder and mystery of God? The truth is, God doesn't ask us to check our brains at the door when it comes to being Christian. Unfortunately, some churches and leaders act as if we can't be curious, we can't ask questions, we can't use the brains that God made and gave us. God doesn't ask us to stop asking questions and pursuing divine mystery and truth. God doesn't ask us to stop seeking. If anything, God wants us to seek and seek And seek some more because it ultimately leads to greater love and worship. It leads to being less judgmental and fearfully defensive and more open and aware to the ways God is always revealing more of who God is and what God is like in our world. Ted Lasso is a fantastic Show And I'm honestly surprised that it's taken me this long to weave in a reference. There are so many good scenes and quotes and one-liners. For those who don't know, it's a show about an American football coach who's exported to the UK to manage an English football team. In a particularly moving scene from the show, the protagonist, Ted, and the antagonist, Rupert, the uh, vindictive former owner of, of the team, place a significant wager on a game of darts. Taking his final turn at the board, Ted says, you know, guys have underestimated me my entire life, and for years I never understood why. It used to really bother me. And then one day I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw a quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there, and it said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that, Ted throws a dart. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work, and all of a sudden it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them was curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out. They judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that them underestimating me, who I was, had nothing to do with it. Because if they were curious, they would have asked questions. Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? Ted throws another dart. To which I would have answered, yes, sir, every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 until I was 16 when he passed away. Barbecue sauce. 
Ted throws a double bullseye to win the game. Maybe Christians need a little bit more seeker in us. A little more holy curiosity. A little more magi. I I think about a posture of of curiosity, of, of, of wonder, of the magi versus the posture of defensive fear from Herod. Which leads to life and toward the glory of God? The truth is, far more people, I'm afraid, view Christians as being defensive and closed-minded and judgmental than curious. What if Christians were actually known more for being curious seekers like the Magi than being fearfully defensive like Herod? Seekers want to learn from life. Seekers want to learn from life, not just observing something that happened, but asking, where is God in this? Where is God not in this? What is God saying to me? What is my response? What am I going to do about it? Seekers do not want to miss a single moment in seeing the possibility that God might be trying to say something, to do something, that God might be trying to do something new that God might be growing them, stretching them, making them more holy and whole. Seekers, whether they're thinkers or feelers on the Myers-Briggs, want to think and feel their way closer to God. I love the questions that my kids are starting to ask. Wonderful, curious, seeker questions about What existed before God? How can God's son send his son to be born, but Jesus is God, and Jesus existed before he became human? And and what exactly will our resurrected bodies be like? And what was God doing before God made everything? And why did God decide to create anything at all? And, And why did God make love? And it reminds me of the sheer irony of my degree from Duke Divinity School. Master of Divinity. Let me say that again. Master of Divinity. As if, right? A more appropriate title might be Estiv, Seeker of Divinity. Because the honest truth is, I have just as many, if not more, questions. I'm just as curious, if not more curious, about God now than before Divinity School. And so I, I hope my kids never stop asking these curious questions about God, about faith, especially because there is so much power in and faith in the seeking itself. Seeking, finding, worshiping over and over again. That's how we grow. Because the moment we stop seeking is the moment that our faith plateaus. The moment we stop wandering with wonder is the moment that our faith muscles atrophy. It's the moment that our own certainty becomes our God. So how will we respond when God shows us something? Imagine I saw a star and, and some scripture and they set off seeking. How will we respond when God comes to us disguised as our life? When we hear a word from God or sense God moving in our midst? See or hear something that seems to point beyond itself to something sacred. Do, do, we, do we shrink back in fear because 
it rocks our neat little world? Do we tell someone else to, to go investigate for us or to get closer because we don't want to ourselves? Do we, do we turn our backs because it makes us uncomfortable to let go of control of our lives? Do we get defensive because it might force us to change our minds or our heart or our lives? Are we hesitant because we think, oh, wait, whoa, Lord, surely not, not me, surely not that, Lord? Or, or, can we be like the Magi? Who in response to what God was revealing, set out on a journey of discovery, earnestly seeking what it all might mean. Will we seek to find what God is doing and revealing in our midst? Will we embark on a journey, even an adventure? Will we worship when we're filled with joy and fulfillment at the moment when our seeking is met by God's very presence? I remember as a child going to the beach with my whole extended family. And one of the things my aunt did year after year for all of the cousins was a treasure hunt. Every day she would write a, uh, a clue, which usually rhymed and hide it somewhere at the beach house uh, where we would find it, and then it would lead us to another clue every day. So a pirate's treasure is not easy to find, so today's clue will test your mind. You'll find the clue when it gets to be dawn. Just make sure that the curtains are drawn, something like that. So after conversing and deliberating as cousins, we'd go to the living room where there were curtains, and we'd find the next clue hidden behind uh, the curtain or something like that. And these clues would, uh, would continue until the very last day when we would get a note that said, X marks the spot, and we'd go out onto the beach, there'd be an X, and we would dig uh, up a shoebox full of candy or other small toys. As I think back on this, what strikes me is that seeking out the clues was just as fun as finding the treasure itself. And then in that moment, when our seeking was met with the revealing of this treasure, it's after we dug it up with our hands and opened it, seeing the treasure, that moment was so thrilling. Really, there were always stages of seeking and finding and seeking and finding, searching and revealing. I was living in that space of of knowing and wanting to know more, seeking and finding that made it so special. And so it is with our faith. There's something so profound and so exhilarating and fulfilling about living in the space of the Magi. And that dynamic of, of seeking and revealing, of seeking and finding, seeking, worshiping. Us yearning for God and God yearning for us to yearn after God and so revealing more to us. As the story of the Magi shows, the place where our human seeking intersects with God's revealing is Jesus, is the person of Jesus Christ. So the question is, how do you still seek after Jesus? How do you still seek? after Jesus. And what form will your seeking take in 2023? Friends, let's be magi. Ask and keep asking. Wonder and keep wondering. Wander and keep wandering. Seek and keep seeking. Find and keep finding over and over and over again.
Come to Jesus by whatever route you can. Because I promise he'll be there. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.